it puts contact center leaders who have KPIs that incentivize them to operate well, not necessarily to innovate. It puts them in the seat where now they have they have vision, they have strategic insight that they can now use to leverage across the business. They're driving a new type of value that isn't just operational. everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Learning with Poly AI. Today, we're going to be talking about the contact center leader. We've talked a lot about the contact center. We've talked a lot about the AI that's changing it rapidly. I think it's now time to talk about the persona that cares the most probably about what we talk about and what they live with on a day-to-day basis. And so really, we thought that the best thing to talk about today is something that we've seen happen a lot time and time again in our own customer base, and that is promotions. What happens when you integrate sometimes one of the biggest and most successful AI projects within your company? Chances are you get elevated. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Super excited to be discussing this with you, Nicola. Yeah, so I guess I, just to start off, I like we've, we've seen this deck. before, right? Yeah, you know, we should change your sales deck, right? Hey, if you follow through and book the second meeting with us, you are very likely to be promoted in the future, which will have great ramifications for your life. So I think, yeah, no, absolutely. It's what is in your job? Right? What will you be doing as a, like an AI leader in your company? I think that to many people out there, it's clear that the contact center is actually the best place to actually apply artificial intelligence. So I think that those that do it well are on track to be like the future generation of cloud leaders, right? Like the same way that those companies that benefited from the cloud have become much more agile and versatile. I think that the same will happen to those that do it with AI. The one that does it first is probably quite likely to have a strong voice in the future formulation of that strategy. Yeah, completely agree. Coming from a, a, a different industry, I I remember selling AI into marketing teams and knowing that the best case scenario, the uplift was going to be incremental. It was going to be some small percentage on top of what they were already doing. Whereas I think the benefit of AI for the contact center is just so much bigger. And I wonder about that. Can you think of any other AI deployments that aren't minor operational lifts or incremental revenue improvements? Can you think of any other large scale AI deployments within a business that could be as large of an impact? Yeah, I think a lot of it becomes like very, very abstract stuff. It's somewhere in decision making or you think like yeah. algorithmic trading has really used AI for a while to do trading. I think that's an application, but not really. It's not like when you think of a large enterprise like Fortune 100 really meaningfully impacting operations, their spend and all that. No, I think that the contact center is probably the the place where it can have the biggest impact on the workflows of a lot of people and a lot of the end customers of that business, right? Obviously, like it's used for advertising, right? And it's been used inside those models, but that's not as interesting, right? I think the new wave of AI, probably the contact center, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's the reason why it's so powerful is because it's not just an operational gain. It's not just automating people out of jobs or these beliefs. It's also adding a tremendous amount of value to the agents in seat who don't want to take certain types of calls. It's adding a lot of value in terms of what it can do on the revenue generating side. Like yeah. we we have this, in fact, one of the, the best kind of customers that I'm thinking of who was promoted twice post poly AI deployment 
one of the things was improving operational efficiency, of course, but the other was our deployment was selling, was helping with reservations and was driving revenue um, for this individual. So I just think that's part of the that's part of the story here is it's more than just operations. It's also revenue. It's also customer value, customer yeah. experience, just so wide. Yeah. Yeah. It's data as well, right? Like you, you turn the contact center into a rich source of like information about how the business is doing, what things are working, what things are not. And when you do that, then like all of a sudden you're like in the know, right? You have a lot yes. of things to bring back to the business, capitalizing on investments that not just you made, but others as well. And then I think that's like a fast track to leadership, right? Because you, you see wider and better than a lot of others. Yeah. Which means you, you speak more with a lot more weight about the things that you think the business should do or your perspective on things. It gives you insight that you might not have had before. I completely agree. Yeah. So let's maybe start at the beginning with a contact center leader. So if they're thinking about deploying AI, obviously they're probably not linking it to a promotion, but if they're thinking about pr bringing in an AI solution and leading that change within a business, do you think they have headwinds against them? Are people afraid to do this right now? It because used to be the case. Yeah. I think it used to be the case, right? I think the people who were among the first to deploy our solution were incredibly brave, fearless in tackling the institutional resistance inside their companies, right? Inertia. And they were the ones that really broke down the barriers, found nimble and quick ways to experiment, prove value, escalate. What we're seeing now with all the excitement around generative AI is that people raise their hand and then typically they attract attention of the, of the higher-ups and they get budget a lot more quickly. Because I think what you find with a lot of boards right now is that they're looking for ways to not get left behind yes, yes. in the AI revolution. So if you raise your hand and volunteer something, I think at this point in most companies, you're really fighting off all the parties interested in sharing in your success, which means that you get a lot of support for it. And I think it's a lot easier. I think from our numbers, I can tell you that we've accelerated so much over the past six months. And that really just has to do with it's gotten easier, right? We're past the very early adopter phase of this market. And now we're in like mass adoption stage and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting already, and, and we're seeing this too, just on who's speaking with us and why. When we said, what brought you to this conversation? So many people are saying it was a top-down initiative. It was a board-level initiative. It yeah. was a CEO-specific initiative to bring AI into the business. But you are also seeing this bottoms-up pressure too of which things that we all know, but turnover, uh, difficulty with labor, issues with people, issues with the KPIs associated with the contact center. So not being able to answer the phone, not being able to answer every call, having extremely long hold times, just people being unhappy. So there's just this beautiful kind of, for us, yeah. conflagration of events that just allows us to, to really fit right in the center there and do something good on, on both sides. But then I think you said something else. So after that decision is made to bring it in, you already have that support at this point in time. You already have that support from the top down. Bottom up might be something different if your agents are concerned about AI. What do you say about that? Like thinking, factoring that into kind of the promotion path, how do you communicate it to the people on I've, your team? I've always found it fascinating when we started doing this and we'd visit contact centers, it would be like, hey, like people are going to hate us. We're like automators. That was never the case. Because I think people who've been there for a while, they're the people who 
will be the air traffic control when a lot of it is AI. So they're excited to see it happen. Right? Yeah. I think what you hear from the regular well, tier one agent, someone who just joined is, okay, great. Does that mean that I get to have a break between calls? There was a client of ours who managed to give most of their staff like Thanksgiving off because the containment was Amazing. Uh, that high. And I think that's like really, really cool, right? Because typically if they're suffering from high abandons, long waiting times, stuff like that, like it means that the contact center is getting slammed, right? Yeah. Like they are in calls back to back, really busy. That leads to attrition. It's a kind of like a negative cycle of just like the situation gets more and more difficult. Then you have fewer agents, your fewer waiting times get longer. Uh, the occupancy is just higher and so people are like unable to keep up with it. So they quit again. And I think like from the agents, it's always been welcomed, right? And they're excited and they love calling it. They love testing it because to them, like the rewarding calls are those where you do something complicated, where you solve a problem that's not like the same thing you've done 77 times that same day. Yep. So they're excited about that kind of like moving out of the way so they can do more interesting things. And also just being like the first line of defense for certain issues. They're excited about very difficult things getting automated so they don't have to do them again yeah, and again. For sure. And I think there's also, too, some degree of a contact center agent's life that they would love to never see again. And I'm not just talking about low-level work, but abuse. Like we're in certain industries where they're yeah. used to getting absolutely hammered by yeah. unhappy clients. And then also just people who are against the core values of the business. I've, we had a conversation with our leader of, of the BD team, of the business development team, who talked about this specifically. He said, I'm getting really great response rates from certain types of businesses where, you know, like very, here in the US, we've got a very polarizing, like political landscape. And if one business happens to take a certain type of stance, their calls spike. So I don't know if you remember, is it Bud Light took some sort of stance in their contact center um, agents were fielding actual abuse, like actual abuse yeah. all day, all night. I think that their attrition probably went through the roof um, because nobody wants to do that. And also, yeah. no, nobody then wants to do somebody else's job. It feels like the corporation's job or the brand's job yeah. to yeah, yeah. the decisions they made at the top. So it's yeah. just another interesting point. Yeah, I think the contact center agents, the amount of like just casual abuse and unpleasantness that they have to deal with, I think these guys are heroes. Right. I think it takes a very specific and like very patient, calm, collected type to endure that job. And you have to have thick skin. It's not your fault that, that someone has the issue that they do. You're there trying to help. Absolutely. And, you know, there are people who are lovely when they call in, but most people are upset about it. And the moment you give them the first piece of bad news, I think then some people are naturally unpleasant. Others, the situation gets the better of them. I think for a lot of people, they think that if they show a very high level of displeasure, they'll get a better outcome. That's sometimes actually true because uh, you'll have like specific instructions around how to prevent churn and like what to offer. So I think like with all that in mind, you like it wouldn't be a bad thing, especially if you do have a clear procedure to automate some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think just on the thick skin comment, my experience leading people in this position, but also just like common sense psychology, a lot of people who are best at empathizing with an individual and giving great like human to human service, don't have thick skins. They care a lot and it hurts and they take that home. But anyway, I, so we talked about like the top level experience of why and, and how you bring AI into your business. We talked a little bit about the bottoms up piece, but I think to your data point, 
peers, like your contact center leaders' ability to go and share that data, share that insight, link arms with more teams. I think that's really powerful. It's something that we're seeing a lot more prospects talking to us about, which is just like what the marketing team's trying to partner with me. They're trying to ask me questions about language. They're trying to do messaging tests. They're trying to roll out campaigns. And we haven't done this before. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Look, I think that like the amount of data going through the contact center is huge and that's obvious to all. And then people try to mine it and stuff, but that's like really difficult. Like when you look at like the wrap up times where people are asked to kind of like say what the call was about, what if it was about many things? What do you put? How do you call it? Have they been trained to do this? And the thing is, you can't know if they're doing it right or not because you have to go and manually check, right? And that would be like a lot of work. So with AI, you get this data that then you can go back to the business and say, look, 15% of the calls are happening because of this issue, right? So even yeah. though you think it's not that serious, to know that we're spending 15% of our CX spend dealing with that issue. So maybe that reprioritizes something in the product roadmap, or maybe it changes something about like operational execution. And sure. if you can provide that kind of info, you're a lot more valuable. Yeah. And 100%. It used to be, data used to be and it still is to a certain extent, but it used to be how well you tag it and how well you ask the question of the yeah. data you, in order to get back the most interesting piece of information. Now you have this opportunity for interesting things to surface themselves. So you talk about 15% of calls being about this one thing. Yeah. But we've yeah. seen that before. We've literally seen before where yeah. a lot of people are calling in about a thing and the, the typical response is, okay, that's business policy. This is, we can't change this. But you yeah. actually start to see the cost and the impact it's having on CSAT, yeah. the impact it's having on the agents. And you can actually incite rapid change, I think, with data. And that is one surefire way to get a promotion is to be able yeah. to say, look, I found this problem. I, I partnered with this person to help solve it. I saved you $12, $12 million. Yeah, absolutely. I think. And when you think about the ecosystem of people around that leader, they're getting pulled up as well. I know of a few people who got to present to their company's boards, right? Like people who are reports of our buyer who showed up in a board meeting for the first time to say, hey, look, we did that and that. And like they get promoted as well, right? Yeah. And it's it's a new job category, right? Kind of like how Salesforce created the sales ops role. Mm-hmm. I think what we're creating here is like really the AI subject matter expert. And those first, then like they end up, I think that like to this day, the biggest source of new clients for us are like, existing clients who like spread the word with their colleagues in other companies. So I think if they're able to do that, then very quickly they become like quite an authority in their industries for doing this. And that's good for people's career as well. <laughs> 100%. 100%. They always, somebody had said that the best product in innovation comes from the, not the ability to create, but the ability to listen. I don't know who said it. I don't know if I just made it up. <laughs> Nobody Google it, please. But That being true, let's just take that as a true statement. It puts contact center leaders who are technically in this operational seat, driving around efficiencies, driving down costs, who really have KPIs that incentivize them to work well, to operate well, not necessarily to innovate. It puts them in the seat where now they have they have vision, they have strategic insight that they can now use to leverage across the business and up and down and everywhere. So that's I think. To me, like one of the biggest pieces of value, they're driving a new type of value that isn't just operational. Yeah, I think that as they see that data, right, and they're able to formulate like business priorities based on that, they're really like, they stop being just the tool used to deal with the long tail of things. 
like the contact center gets a lot of abuse and everyone thinks about the agents and then we just talked about that but no one really thinks of the cx leader because hey your budget's been slashed and why is your experience so bad maybe because you slashed my budget but then what good is it it's a cost center it's just an endless pit that we throw money yeah. in and i think we, we we're, we're able to give them a way really reverse the narrative and say look like i am now like the most informed party yeah, where, yeah. well uh, i don't know okay these things and these things that you guys are talking about Look, those things actually matter. Like you get the decisive vote around what in the product roadmap needs to change or what is a business priority because it's actually like leading to a lot of churn. Nah. So if you can slice and dice that data and say that, like I say, in the calls where like someone is like unsubscribing or like they're no longer a customer, they're switching to, I don't know, let's say a different telco or here in the UK, it's easier to change like your utility company. So you can do that. If you can give them data around what's happening in those calls and then something changes operationally and three months later the churn figures are different like man you're a hero yeah definitely one thing based like that reminded me of something which is just cx leaders marketing leaders we tend to be really good at linking actions to dollars because that's how we justify our existence it's just oh somebody lingered an extra minute on this pricing page i know that that equals this much in pipeline and I think contact center leaders, they obviously think about their value in the organization in a, in a bit of a different way. And I'm sure that they link it to value very, very well. An average handle time might have this impact on CSAT. But if you take it one step forward and think about the impact that CSAT, NPS, however you measure it, that impacts on revenue and your ability to tie that back and tell that story, your ability to tie the insight that you came up with because of the information that AI has now surfaced for you back to an outcome. I think that that's the path to promotion. And that's something that probably wasn't nearly as possible before because of what you described. Can you have multiple reasons for a call or multiple subjects on a call? How are you parsing that data? Are you yourself a data scientist that can figure this out? Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. I think historically these tools have been about like, do the callers seem happy or not? They were really geared around like evaluating the agent and by proxy evaluating the contact center as a whole should be told like if you can like like actually spar with the business and say look you're telling me that our metrics got worse but i can tell you that we now have three times as many calls about whatever this particular issue and we know where that's coming from we know yeah. what it's tied to right so if you can do something like that then you're really able to just to articulate it back, right? And say, okay, look, like you did that. Like we need more budget maybe, yeah. right? If we can't like, automate or whatever, we need it because something changed. And you should know that something changed, right? Yeah. It's usually a symptom of another thing with the company. So if you're able to then like pinpoint that and just like inform behavior for the wider company, then you're like really valuable to the CEO, to other stakeholders. And that's that makes you more valuable. Definitely. Definitely. I think the path for promotion, just to maybe make the last point here, is traditionally operations, right? You, If you are a contact center operator or leader, your path up like all the way to the top could be something like COO. Whereas I think AI, the changes that are coming to the contact center now, data, all of those things are enabling people to have many more forks in the road on their path up, which I think is it's always a good thing because it just gives you more chances. Yeah, yeah. God knows, maybe we might have chief AI officers of companies soon and they'll come from the cohort of those that have implemented AI first, right? Yeah, really cool.
Really cool. Okay. So just to summarize before we wrap, it sounds like the, the things that a contact center leader needs to do in order to secure that promotion is implement AI successfully, become like that customer hero based off of their understanding of the customer, leverage data in a way that is packaged well, that makes sense, that is partnered across the business, and using what you've learned from that deployment to message up and message across your business. And I think because this is likely to be, from the beginning of our conversation, the most successful AI deployment, you get that shot at that chief. You get that sweet AI money in the bag. Yes. (laughs) All right. Great chatting with you as always. We're hoping to see a lot more promotions in the future. We're we're in the business of delivering those, so get in touch. (laughs) Thank you all. Love it. Thanks, Michelle.